When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome to Scare You to Sleep. I'm your host, Shelby Scott, and I'm going to read you some true stories. Before we begin, just a reminder that this month, Scare You to Sleep is being featured on The Creepy Podcast. The latest came out Wednesday, and it's called Sensory Deprivation. And if you've come here from Creepy, then welcome. This week I thought I'd bring you some more true stories submitted by your fellow listeners. Let's get started. The first submission is from Jeff Kreiss, who wrote the much-beloved episode, The Fourth of July, a few weeks back. Jeff told me he had some true stories that had to do with a Ouija board and time slips, and of course, I said, yes please. So, here it is. Late September in Western PA, it can be anyone's guess as to what the weather will be. Hot and humid, cold and windy. On that Friday night, it was clear and comfortable. A group of us, I remember there being eight of us. This was a long time ago. Someone had heard a story about an old house that, of course, was supposedly haunted. The backstory is so cliche that it's nearly painful to type this. One of the people in this group had heard that in the late 1950s to early 1960s, there was a family of six who lived there. The eldest son, in part of a satanic ritual, murdered them all and burned the house to the ground. He, of course, killed himself as a part of the ritual. I know, very DeFeo, very Amityville horror. We all thought as much, I assure you, but we were bored. Too young to be able to drink at the bar, but too old to find the movie theater or mall's food court exciting. We said, what the hell? So, we all met up to see what we would find. We arrived in two cars, four in each. I have to describe the lay of the land, as it will be an important detail later in this story. The house supposedly sat back deep in the woods and high upon a hill. There's only one small opening off the side of the main road. In this opening, there's only space for two cars at most, and they could only fit if parked side by side, facing inwardly towards the woods, barely enough room to perform a three-point turn. Once you enter the woods a bit, you find yourself on a pathway, wide enough for a car or a truck to fit through, but with the overgrowth, it would be a tight fit. Plenty of room for eight simple-minded adventurers to proceed on foot. Just as we stepped into the woods, we all at the same time 
heard it. Music, playing off in the distance, deep in the woods and coming from above us, in the direction of where the house supposedly was. Specifically, it was the song by Elvis Presley, Heartbreak Hotel. We heard, well, since my baby left me, then the words became muddy, and we only heard the music playing. What made this particularly odd was that we all thought it sounded like it was being played on an old record player. It sounded crackly and muffled. Then, it faded out. The other odd part is that there were no cars around and no houses anywhere close. There was nothing around us that made any sense as to why we would be hearing it. We all laughed, albeit nervously. We shrugged it off. There were two girls in the group, and already they wanted to leave. Of course, peer pressure is a powerful motivator, so onward we went. We walked this path for about 15 minutes before reaching the top of the hill. There it sat. It almost had a way of appearing out of nothing. I'm not saying it did, it was just the way that it was nestled back there. It seemed to sneak up on us. The moon was bright that night, revealing its silhouette first. It had an odd feeling back there, but not paranormal weird. It did have a heavy feeling, a sadness. The air almost felt like it had a charge to it, but you know, could have been the anticipation or the excitement, right? We enter the house, or should I say, we stepped through the space where the front wall would have been. The ceiling had caved in, and the floors were warped and missing entire sections. Most of the windows are broken. It took no time at all to see that the place had definitely been destroyed by fire, and long ago. None of us were really feeling like much was happening, or going to. I happened to look down on the floor and saw an old Macy's bag. It had printed on it, we are changing every day. I laughed and said, this is the creepiest thing we'll be seeing tonight. Oops, spoke too soon. It would seem something didn't seem to like my remark. That was when a piece of the upper structure snapped and came falling down, landing hard on the floor. Everyone jumped and was of course startled. Someone said kiddingly, you had to go and piss him off. Way to go. Not long after this, we all started to hear movement in the woods around the house. The weird thing was how it moved. You would hear it on one side of the house from the outside. And then a second later, you would hear it on the inside and on the total opposite side of the house. We started to all collectively feel this very odd feeling we were being watched. I am logical, and thought it's just adrenaline. The two girls who were with us demanded to leave and one started crying, so we agreed to go. As soon as we started to leave, the energy calmed down and we heard no more strange noises. We went back to our cars and laughed about what happened and parted ways. The next night, some of us decided to go back. This time, four of us in one car went back. 
This night, though, we decided to be dumber than usual. Instead of walking up the path, I decided in my infinite genius to drive up the path, essentially off-roading in a Chevy Cavalier uphill in the middle of the woods in the middle of the night. We made it, and back at the house, we heard nothing and saw nothing. Disappointed, we said F it and decided to leave. Now, here's the thing. This path was by no means easy to navigate. It was narrow and with fallen branches and rocks all over the ground. This was a dumb idea. I knew I had to be extremely careful going back down the hill. I had three other people in the car depending on me not to mess this up. I know for a fact that I had my foot on the brake, yet I'm watching the RPMs rev up and that car just sped up while my foot was on the brake. I had no control of it as it sped towards the edge where it suddenly stalled out. When I looked out the driver's side window, I could literally see the drop-off right below me, straight down to about a 30-foot drop. Everyone was screaming at me, and no one believed me when I explained what happened. We had to literally not make any sudden shifty movements because it felt like the car was going to possibly fall over the edge. After a couple minutes, I tried to start it up again. And it did. Like there was never a problem at all. We left unscathed, and after that, everyone said they were done going back there. Everyone except my stupid self and my one childhood buddy. We were committed to this adventure now. So, a couple nights later, we were once again back to that house. This time, we decided to go back on foot, and this time, we brought a Ouija board. This is when things got weird. We asked, Is anyone with us? It said, Yes. We asked, How many? It said, Six. We asked if anyone died here. It said, Yes. How many? It said, Six. We asked, Was anyone murdered here? It said, Yes. We asked, How many were murdered? It said, Five. We asked if it wanted us to leave, and it quickly shot to yes. Then just as quickly, it went back to no. We asked if they were trapped there. It didn't answer that question. We then asked, Was there a suicide here? It answered, Yes. We asked if it was evil. Nothing. Then a minute later we asked, Do you like us? It answered, hate. With that, we were gone. We said we would leave and not come back anymore. We would leave them be. We were sorry for the intrusion. We unfortunately 
did not keep our word. Over the next couple of weeks, we would return at least a half dozen more times. We would bring the Ouija board and ask questions, but receive no more answers. I remember it was at this point that the place took on a whole new energy. We could feel hate emanating from everywhere. At the same time, we felt a protective presence. We both shared the feeling that it felt feminine. Specifically, it felt motherly. It felt like there was a power struggle happening between two different energies. The last night we were there, we saw something that still makes me uneasy when I think about it. A perfect column of self-contained fog that floated within its own semi-defined borders. I'd guess it was about five feet tall. Nearly complete darkness, but we could still see it easily. A white, smoky kind of mist floating up and down the path in a swaying motion. Kind of like it was telling us, leave now, this way. It disappeared eventually. And that was it. We ran like hell. The feeling of that place seemed to stick with us for a couple of weeks after that. We would see people we had known for years, but they looked right through us, only barely acknowledging us. A waitress at this diner, who we knew well, acted like she barely knew us, like she could barely remember us. It's a long story, just... Everyone around us seemed to act like they didn't know us or could barely remember how they did. I'll skip to the good part now. This is a very long story, shortened up. I told some people I worked with about this place. You guessed it. They wanted to go. I told them that my friend and I would show them where it was, but we were not going back up there. They laughed, but we said, go ahead and laugh. You'll see. So we met in a parking lot about a half mile away. We told them where to go. We gave them the Ouija board and said to come back in a half hour. If they didn't come back, we'd come back to check on them. Off they went, laughing. It was about 45 minutes later and they had not returned. So my friend and I decided to hop in my car and see what was up. We approached the offshoot and slowed down peering into the opening. Nobody there. We pulled into the opening. No one there. Remember when I said that there was only room for two cars parked tightly? That a three-point turn is nearly impossible to do it in this space? Impossible if another car would be parked there. Well, we pulled in, saw nothing, and did a three-point turn. When we were pulling out, we had to wait for an old, late, 70s Ford Bronco to pass us. After it passed, we pulled out and went back to the parking lot to wait for them. Not even a minute later, they came flying in, skidding to a stop next to us. They jumped out of the car screaming, Fuck that place! Fuck this fucking board! Take it back! This place is fucked up! This damn thing told us to kill ourselves! Meaning the Ouija board. We heard a woman screaming from everywhere and nowhere in the woods. Weird lights and creepy sounds kept moving all around us. The board told us to die. It said several times, burn. Place is fucked up. We're out. We asked them. 
where the hell they were. Because we pulled in and nobody was there. We said they were full of shit. We asked them how long they had been there, and when they had left, they said about 45 minutes. We came from here, and went straight there. We literally just left like two minutes ago. We said, that's impossible. We were just there, and they were definitely not there. They said, the only car that went by us was an old Ford Bronco. We had to wait for it to pass before we could get the fuck out of there. I drive past this road at least once a week, and it still creeps me out. The next day, my buddy and I decided enough was enough, and we had to get rid of the damn Ouija board and never go back to that house. So we did. We drove behind this old shopping center, and with the Ouija board tucked back into its box, we tossed it over the fence and far and deep down into the woods. When we threw the box, it opened back up, and the board and planchette flew out of the box and flew in different directions. We saw them land far down at the bottom of the hill. We got back in my car and left. The next day, the urge was so strong. We both wanted more than anything to go back and get the board and again, go back to the damn house. I still can't explain the pull that place had on me. The next day, we went back to the exact spot from which we threw it into the woods, expecting to climb over the short fence and go down to retrieve it. Both our jaws dropped. Right there, leaning against the fence post, was that damn Ouija board. We opened the box and looked inside. It was in perfect condition. Everything was there as it should be. It looked like it had never been used. We both collectively said out loud, Fuck this thing. We left it there and we never returned to that house again. We tried to find any old public records of that house or whatever supposedly happened there. We never found anything, never met anyone who knew anything about it, or even heard the story of it. My mom grew up in the area and said she had never heard about it. I myself would say it's bullshit had I not experienced it for myself. There's so much more to this story, but I condensed it and ended it here. Things got dark for a while after that. I don't mean dark like I buy my clothes at Hot Topic dark. I mean horrible, persistent nightmares. I mean dark like eventually needing to see a priest and a pastor for help kind of dark. All I know is that time and space may not be linear, and we messed with something we shouldn't have. Wow, Jeff, that was an incredible story. That was absolutely bananas. By the way, apologies for I noticed I slipped between Ouija and Ouija. I did this show a few years ago called Mediums for Parcast, R.I.P. Parcast, and uh, they were very particular about the way I pronounced Ouija. It is Ouija, which is the proper pronunciation, but I grew up saying Ouija like most of everybody. So I kind of now, because of that experience, slipped between Ouija and Ouija. So apologies there. But Jeff, wow. Again, wow, I don't even know what to say. I mean, it's one of those, like you said, where like, it's so, it almost sounds impossible, but if you experienced it, you experienced it. Um, what do you all think about Jeff's story? What do you think? You, who's listening right now, what do you think of Jeff's story? 
All right, moving on. This next submission is from Casey. And by the way, Casey, the way you describe the town you grew up in and your house across from a park is so much the way that I grew up and the town I grew up, like the town I grew up in and the house I grew up in, this absolutely had my hair standing on end. It just gave me some weird deja vu chills. <laughs> I just wanted to tell you that before I get started. Okay, here we go. For me to tell this story accurately, I first need to explain a little about the mapping of the area I grew up in. I grew up in a small town in Idaho that had maybe about 3,000 people at the time. I lived in a mid-sized house across the street from your typical park. Swing set, metal slide, a monkey bar set to climb on, the works. The swing set was very squeaky and loud, like an old door that needed WD-40 sprayed into its hinges. We could always hear it from across the street if someone was using it. On the corner of the park, where the sidewalk met the road, was a large pine tree next to a street lamp. Something always felt a little off about the park, for as long as I can remember, but I could never put my finger on it. Until one day, that all changed. I've only shared this story with a few people. I thought if I told anyone, people might think I'm making it up or think that I'm just crazy. But I have some evidence to back up my claim. I'm not the only person to experience strange things there. My dad is a witness, so I'm cutting this into two parts, his experience there and mine. I was 14 when this happened. Even though I'm 33 now, I remember it like it was yesterday. It was one of the most terrifying moments in my life. So, I hope you like it. Also, thank you, Shelby, for the awesome podcast. Here we go. I had a friend over to visit one summer night. We'll call him T. I wasn't old enough to drive at the time, so we would meet halfway walk or ride bikes to each other's houses to hang out, play video games, and do what kids do. He happened to be at my house one night for a late night video game session. He eventually had to go home. His dad was calling him wondering where he was. Since our town was so small, I decided to walk halfway back home with him. Once we got to the halfway point, I told him, see you later, and started to walk to my house alone. It was all dark, except for the occasional streetlight. I decided it would be faster to cut through the park instead of walking all the way up to the intersection, so I decided to cut a corner. The park had no lights except for the street lamp by the intersection. I made it halfway through the park until a person underneath the street lamp caught my eye. Naturally, I turned my head to look. It wasn't a person. It looked like a shadow standing up. A black figure, no face, no nothing, just black, staring at me. It had no eyes, but I felt its stare on me, like it was penetrating my soul. I froze in absolute fear. I stared at it, and it stared back at me. I couldn't take my eyes off of it. My heart jumped into my throat. The feeling of dread was so intense, I couldn't even scream. I was just... frozen. And, just as fast as it appeared, it was gone. Like it dissipated into thin air. I don't remember getting home after that. I just remember being at my front door, 
gasping for air like I just ran a marathon. I don't think I've ever ran so fast in my life. My sweat felt cold. Every nerve in my body was screaming at me. I looked back at the park. No light. Just dark. But even through the darkness, I felt like something was watching me from a distance. I didn't say anything to anyone about it. I didn't think anyone would believe me. I thought I'd be looked at as another dumb kid just making up stories. First person I told was my dad. Here's why. My dad always seemed like an angry person, especially after a few whiskeys. I love my dad and would not speak ill of him, but it wouldn't hurt anyone if he chilled out a little sometimes. He's the old school veteran, doesn't take shit from anyone type. So his reaction to what I'm about to tell you didn't surprise me. I was asleep. Dad was lying awake around 11.30 p.m. Someone was swinging on the swing at the park across the street. He said he could hear the squeaks from the hinges, which again, no surprise, they were loud. This continued until a little after midnight. Of course, it kept Dad up and he couldn't sleep. He eventually got angry and went to confront whoever was on the swings. He thought it was just some annoying ass kid keeping him up past his bedtime. He gets angrier and angrier as he gets out of bed to put his clothes and shoes on. I should emphasize one more time that the park was completely dark except for the light on the corner. The annoying squeak of the swings continues this entire time. By the time he's dressed, he's livid. He barges out the door and crosses to the road to tell whoever it was to knock it off, to put it lightly. When he reaches the grassy area of the park, the squeaking stops. He gets to the swing and nobody is there. Just the gentle rocking back and forth of an empty swing. He took a sigh of relief and went back to the house. He gets back to the front door and... The squeaking starts again. He storms across the road again, angrier than before, and the exact same thing happened. Once he stepped foot on the park, the squeaking of the swings stopped. He was met with an empty swing, rocking back and forth like someone had just stopped using it. This happened a few more times before he gave up and went back to bed. He told me around the time he got back in bed, the squeaking started again. The next day he told me what happened, so I decided to open up and share my encounter I had. He thought I was making it up and it was probably just some kid on a swing late at night. But I know what I saw. That evening, my mom had made dinner. We sat down to eat. The sun went down and everything was dark out except for the street light on the corner and then we hear the swing set start to squeak again. Dad and I look at each other without saying a word. I guess we didn't tell mom because she had no idea about either of our stories. Later that night, after we all went to bed, I heard the swings. I got up and looked out the window to the park. Oddly enough, while looking out the window, the squeaking stopped. I felt that same sense of dread come over me again, 
I felt my blood run cold as I stared into the dark abyss across the street. It was indescribable, and it sounds crazy, but something in the park was staring back at me. Thank you so much, Casey, for your story. It really, ugh, it got my, the hairs on my arms standing up. Really, like, ugh, it got to me. And uh, sorry that you had to live through that, I guess. I guess I could say that about almost all the stories I get for the true story submissions, can I? Sorry you had to deal with that. <laughs> but at least we have a fun story out of it. If you haven't listened um, to my ramble you to sleep as a bonus on Patreon this week, I talk about, well, at least I got a good story out of it. <laughs> this next submission is from Matthew. And Matthew, you mentioned in your message to me that you are a huge fan of Scared to Death, and that is a very good show. It's a great show that Dan Cummins does with his wife, and it's very got some very spooky stories on it, but I do wonder if you meant to send this story to Scared to Death and not to Scare You to Sleep. Either way, I'm going to take this as a win because I really liked your story, so I'm going to... I'm going to go ahead and read it anyway, and feel free to send it to also to Scared to Death because I think they would also enjoy it, and I don't care about exclusivity, so send them send, send it their way. Um, <laughs> exclusivity when it comes to you all sharing your own stories wherever you want, by the way. Don't go stealing some of mine. Um, <laughs> just throwing that out there. So Matthew, uh, this is Matthew's, and I, I wanted to read this one because if, I'm sure a lot of you have heard my own ghost story. Uh, by now, so I've told it a few times on different podcasts, but uh, I had my own experience on a Civil War battlefield one time that was very spooky, and so this one also takes place in a Civil War type setting. To give some background, I have been a historical reenactor for 25 years. I am 38 this year, so that should tell you something about how much I enjoy this hobby. This story happened to me 20 years ago. My grandparents adopted me when they ran a foster home in Northwest Ohio. They helped 91 kids in 19 years. My grandpa was my best friend in the whole world, and he wasn't even like a parent, but an older brother you could always rely on for everything. He was the reason why I joined the reenacting community. He used to work in a fast food restaurant all year round and save every other paycheck, and he would use that saved money to buy toys for kids who were not doing so well. He would dress as Santa and deliver them as well. The house I grew up in was a funeral home from the late 1890s. Those stories are for later. This things that ever happened to me, so I hope you enjoy. I stood at my post, rifle at the ready, as the night settled in around us. My fellow reenactors had retired to their tents for the night, but I was on duty, tasked with keeping watch over the encampment. It was the reenactment of the Battle of Shiloh, and I was portraying a Union soldier from the 13th Michigan Infantry. As I watched the flickering flames of the nearby campfires, I heard a rustling sound from across the road. I turned my head and saw a Confederate soldier making his way towards me. At first, I thought it was just another reenactor, but as he drew closer, I could see that he was different somehow. His uniform looked faded and worn, and his face was pale and ghostly. Evening, Yank, he said in a southern drawl. 
I nodded in response, unsure of what to make of this strange encounter. The Confederate soldier leaned in, his eyes fixed on my haversack. I was wondering if you might have some food to spare, he said. I've got some pipe tobacco. I could trade you for it. I told him, It's alright, sir. I don't smoke, but I am willing to help someone out. As I reached into my haversack to retrieve some hardtack and an apple, I asked the Confederate what regiment he was with. But when I looked back up, he was gone. There was no sign of him anywhere. I stood there in shock for a moment, trying to make sense of what had just happened. It wasn't until I looked around and saw that the entire encampment was silent and still that I realized what was going on. I had just spoken to a ghost. As the realization sank in, I felt a chill run down my spine. The hair on the back of my neck stood on end, and I suddenly felt very alone in the darkness. I spent the night on edge, watching and waiting for any further signs of the ghostly confederate, but he never returned. And by morning, I was left wondering if the encounter had been real or just a figment of my imagination. Years later, as I looked back on that night, I couldn't help but wonder what the Confederate soldier had wanted. Was he simply looking for a meal? Or was he trying to send a message beyond the grave? And what regiment had he been with? I knew that I would never forget that strange encounter on the road at Shiloh. FYI, I didn't sleep much after that for a few days, maybe an hour or two at a time. My adrenaline was rushing as I was doing research trying to figure out what happened on that side road on the outskirts of that church. I've come across two other people who have experienced something very similar on that same road. Thank you for everything you do and stay spooky, but not so spooky to share some thick ass crackers and an overpriced apple with a ghost. Our next submission comes from Hudson. Hey Shelby, I've been an avid listener of your podcast and I really enjoy it. Keep up the great work. I apologize in advance for my mediocre storytelling skills. I should begin by saying that I'm not one to easily believe in the paranormal or supernatural. As an outdoors enthusiast, I usually have logical explanations for things I encounter during my walks. I live on a large property, about 500 acres of forests and fields a few miles away from the nearest town. It's been in my family for generations, and now it's in my possession. However, there are times when I question my ownership. Don't get me wrong, I love the property, but there are a few moments when it feels unnerving, especially for someone like me who's used to being out in the wilderness. During my walks with my dog along the deer trails, I've noticed some strange occurrences. There's a particular spot on the trail where my dog consistently refuses to move forward. I've tried to rationalize it, thinking there might be a smell or something that bothers him, so I usually end up carrying him past that point, and he continues walking without any issues. It's peculiar, but I haven't dwelled on it much. Apart from that, there have been instances where I've heard eerie, high-pitched howls or strange noises in the distance. I've tried to identify the source, researching different animal sounds from elk to even mythical creatures like the Wendigo. 
However, it's odd because I live in central Texas, and the animals associated with those sounds are not known to be in this area. But I chalked it up to some other explanation, perhaps an animal I'm unfamiliar with. Recently, things have been taking a turn for the worse, making me feel increasingly unsafe. My dog has been behaving strangely, constantly on edge and barking at seemingly nothing in the forest or running around the yard anxiously. It's disconcerting. I can't shake the feeling that I'm being watched whenever I'm out on the property. It's just a gut instinct, but it's been nagging at me. Last night, I had a friend over and we spent the evening doing typical things that 25-year-old ranchers do, including watching a movie. Halfway through, my friend became visibly uneasy and insisted on leaving, citing a sense of unease and feeling unsafe. I thought it might have been the alcohol affecting him, so I offered him a ride home, but he declined and left on his own. It left me puzzled and wondered what might have caused his sudden change in mood. Later that night, as I prepared for bed, I called my dog Gus to go outside before settling in. To my surprise, he refused to leave the house. It reminded me of his behavior on the trail. Exhausted and wanting to sleep, I closed the door and ignored his odd behavior. I lay in bed, scrolling through TikTok, trying to relax. Suddenly, Gus, who had been lying at the end of my bed, lifted his head and stared intently at the closed door. I scolded him, telling him to be quiet, and he eventually put his head back down. Minutes later, he did it again. This time, curiosity got the better of me, and I cautiously got out of bed, making my way to the door. I double-checked the lock and pulled the curtain shut, doing the same for all the other windows except for the one with the AC unit. I never bothered to put up curtains on that particular window because I don't like seeing them flutter in the wind. In hindsight, it was a mistake. Returning to bed, I formed a pillow barrier and tried to calm myself, but sleep eluded me, and I couldn't shake off the fear. I clung to Gus, foolishly hoping that my small miniature Aussie doodle could protect me from any potential intruder. Just as I started to doze off, I heard a tap on the window. I froze refusing to look in that direction, fearing what I might see. Another tap followed, and then another. My heart raced, and I couldn't ignore it any longer. I scooped up Gus and made a hasty decision to leave the house. In a panic, I jumped into my car and sped down the long dirt road that led out of my property. Gus sat in the front seat, looking bewildered as I drove faster than I should have. As I approached the front gate, a massive deer dashed out across the road, and I accidentally grazed it with my car. I watched as it retreated into the woods, relieved to find my bumper undamaged. Just as I was about to get back into the car, I heard the same spine-chilling screech I had been hearing for months. Only this time, it felt like it was right beside me. Without hesitation, I drove away as quickly as possible. I eventually found myself at a local Whataburger, where I reclined my seat and spent the night in the parking lot. The sunrise brought a glimmer of relief, 
and I immediately reached out to my friend. I explained what had happened and asked if I could stay with him for a few nights. He agreed, intrigued by the strange occurrences. Being well-versed in supernatural lore, he suggested the possibility of a skinwalker on my land, a spirit capable of assuming animal forms. This explanation shed new light on the incident with the deer, but I'm still unsure. If you have any knowledge about skinwalkers or any insight in what I experienced, I would greatly appreciate it. For now, I can't bring myself to sleep in my little cottage for a while. I wholeheartedly believe I encountered something beyond the ordinary, but whether it was truly supernatural or simply a series of coincidences remains uncertain. Thank you so much, Hudson. Oh my god, the tapping on the window. Whew, I'm recording this in the middle of the night, and my desk faces a window, and it was kind of hard to... It's like I, I felt a very visceral reaction when I was reading that part. I was like, oh no, if I hear a tapping on my window, that is not going to be good. <laughs> so thank you. Thank you for... These are these submissions this, this time around have been fantastic. Um... I, I, I don't know, I, I was going to save this for the end, but I can't get to all of the submissions. Thank you so much for all of you who send them in. Some of them just don't really work for the show, unfortunately, but uh, I read all of them. And this little batch I've gotten in the last like uh, couple months, or especially since the last True Stories episode, uh, wow, 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 wow. Let's do one more, shall we? We have time. This last one comes to us all the way from Ireland. And this is from Mila. It all started around maybe four years ago, I'd say. I was living in my first house, and I had lived there for around eight years, and in those eight years, nothing scary had really happened until near the end. I started to be able to get a really weird vibe, and I didn't know what it was, until one night, I was in my bed waiting for my mom to come tuck me in. Yes, I know I was around 13 years old, but I still needed mommy to tuck me in. Anyway, as I was waiting, I see a full spirit right in front of my eyes. It was a little kid that was fully white and quite transparent. There are no other children next to me living with us, so it couldn't have been anyone else. That kid walked into my room as I started to look away after seeing it from the side of my eye. I quickly took a double take and it was gone. I'm writing this calmly now as I'm used to it, but back then, it freaked me out so much that I made my mom sleep in my bed for a solid week. That's when it all started. That little kid. The next spirit to enter my life was a really scary one. For context, I had switched bedrooms before the sightings started, and I had been in my new room for over a year or so. To get to my bathroom, I had to walk past my old bedroom. And the main part of it, as I walked past, was my big window. Every time I walked to that bathroom, I felt such a bad vibe. You know that feeling when you can tell that someone is looking at you? And that creepy sensation? Yeah, well, that's what I got every time I went to my bathroom. I could tell the spirit was an old man who wasn't happy at all and seemed really scary. He stayed at that window every time. I was so freaked out. I always tried to avoid going toilet and tried to hold it. That's not the only spirits I've seen in that house. There was two more, but they were more calm. The third one was a young man in my kitchen. He reminded me of a waiter, 
and I could clearly see him, like there was an actual person there. But the only people who were in my house were in the other room, and I was in the kitchen alone. And the very last spirit was one that I could feel. It was a woman, I think. The gender never really stood out to me, but this spirit would stay at the top of my stairs, almost at my bedroom. She had a very mature feel to her. Not scary, more like an old great-grandmother. Those were the spirits of my first house. I forgot to also mention that when I first moved there, the house was still getting built, so we were the first owners, and those spirits made me really question if it was built on a burial ground of some sort. Now I live in my second house, and the spirits here weren't much better. The first one I saw was a woman, dressed in all-white olden-day clothes that looked like those white nightgowns they wore to sleep in in the olden days. The first time I saw her was she stood at the top of my bed, staring at me. I saw her in that spot twice before moving here. My bed was originally placed where she was standing, so it always made me wonder if she would have appeared in my bed or something. I saw this woman more. It wasn't like in my old house where they all stayed in their original spots. I saw and felt her in different parts of my house, like my downstairs, my parents' bedroom, and my bathroom. I have been in my bathroom, and on two occasions, I heard someone whisper something in my ear. The first time, it was run, and I don't remember the second one, but it was something on the verge of get out. But nothing is like when I felt her and saw her in my parents' room. My parents' room is right beside the bathroom and stairs, and they always keep their door open. Every time I walked past it, I felt her. But she wasn't like before when I met her in my room. She was furious now, angry, scary. Yet again, I held off going to that bathroom or downstairs any chance I got. There was a period where I saw other spirits, different ones would come and go, so I'm not going to get into detail with them, but... One that extremely stood out to me was a tall, skinny, black shadow attached to my wall outside my room. It was extremely creepy and started appearing after the lady started getting mad. I swear I seen it against my wall a few times at night and thought it was my mother standing outside my door to see if I'm on my phone. But when I got up, no one was there and there was no way of light getting in. It was so creepy I seen and felt him nearly every night for half a year, maybe. I always felt someone was watching me at those stairs. It was terrifying. I also always hear noise and my floors cracking, and I know you might say it's my parents, but this always happens when I'm alone. Everyone's asleep or they're downstairs watching TV. I thought I was the only one who could hear these as my parents never said anything, but every time I have friends staying the night, they ask what those sounds are, and can always hear noise, even if my house is fully quiet. I thought I was a bit crazy until I heard a story about my neighbor from her friend's mom, who was my mom's friend. How my neighbor went to the insane asylum thing for a bit because she was said to be schizophrenic. I won't get into the details, as it's not my story to share, and I don't know all the details myself, but what I've heard was, she went because she could see a white angel following her. This reminded me so much of that lady in white and gave me chills. Now, in the current day, I don't see them anymore. I still have a small feeling sometimes, in that same corner of my room where she had stood, but my bed is now positioned in a different spot. 
I still hear noises and things fall randomly, or I hear noises of things falling but nothing fell. I hope you have time to read this even if you don't put it on your podcast as it was a really creepy experience I had and I wanted to share. I'm going to go now as ever since I started writing the second paragraph, I started getting a big headache and feeling dizzy. Bye. Thank you so much, Mila, and thank you for closing out the episode. Thank you to everyone who submitted. Again, I got a lot of submissions after that last True Horrors episode, so I'll be going through more of them. And if you are new around here and you're over from Creepy, one reason I wanted to do this episode during August is to show off. Sometimes I'll do these True Horror episodes. I have a few different types of episodes I do. I do mostly the fictional episodes that you're familiar with, but I also do these and dark reddit and every once in a while i'll throw in one like uh top 10 hauntings in the world or haunted castles haunted lighthouses time slips and you know i just kind of i kind of go where the wind blows me and um sometimes it blows me to weird strange true happenings or allegedly true happenings thank you for listening follow the show on social media at scare you to sleep on instagram and twitter or whatever the fuck it's called these days um you can submit your stories to scare you to sleep at gmail.com um there's a facebook group and there's a patreon if you'd like ad free episodes and bonus episodes i just came out with a ramble episode i mentioned a little bit earlier in this episode i just came out with a ramble you to sleep aka bore you to sleep as a bonus episode for anyone three dollars and up but for only as little as a dollar a month you get uh, ad-free episodes. And the Patreon feed is now available to Patreon patrons on Spotify. That was really annoying before because it was you couldn't get it on the Spotify app, but now you can. So if you're a Spotify listener, it'll all be in one place. Super easy, easy breezy, beautiful cover girl. <laughs> and I want to thank uh, everyone again for the, I keep mentioning this creepy crossover. It's been really fun. It's been the most I've ever written in my entire life. I've been writing a story a week and editing and recording and putting it out and it's been so fun and I thank you those of you who came over from creepy because I've read I've been sent uh, every once in a while John will send me some reviews and they're so glowing and I've seen them on Spotify and they they mean so much to me you you're all so kind I was so worried I told John too uh I I texted him sometime and I was like I'm I was just so afraid that your audience wouldn't gel with me and wouldn't really like me and that you would regret having me on your show. And uh, that's not the case. At least it doesn't seem like it. I've seen so many great, very kind words from all of you, and I really appreciate it. And again, to my Scary to Sleep listeners, go listen to Creepy. His show is fantastic. And uh, you're probably, honestly, most of you are probably already listening to it anyway. And um, go listen to the, the episodes that I produce for that show. They've been a lot of fun. And they're not going to be on my feed, at least not for a long time. I haven't, we haven't discussed that yet, but uh, they won't be here for quite a while. So go listen over there. And for those of you who would like to stick around for a little ramble, then it starts now. The rest of you who don't prefer the rambles, that is totally fine. And I'll see you next week. I'll see you next Wednesday on Creepy. Uh, let's see. Hello, my ramble listeners. How are you this week? I have not baked much this week. I made turkey chili tonight. That was fantastic. I make, I've like made up my own recipe that I really am starting to get really happy with. Any chili makers out there know 
that like you start to get your own recipe you stop following a recipe at some point and then you just like really get into honing your own recipe um yeah i mean it's turkey chili so i think some tur- some chili purists out there would argue that it's not real chili especially those of you um i don't know which reason regions exactly i think texas um, I know especially one person in Texas, my friend Rosemary, would, ag- would agree that, um, or not agree, we would disagree because I put beans in my chili and some people say that that means it's not chili. But you know what? We'll fight about it. We will fist fight about it outside of Whataburger next time I visit. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm going to attempt to make breadsticks tomorrow. I mean, I guess attempt is a strong word. I'm, I've, I'm adept enough that I don't think they're going to turn out, oh, knock on wood, they're not going to turn out terrible, but... Yeah, I'm going to try to make breadsticks tomorrow. I've never made them before. And I have my little kitchen scale so I can weigh it out all great. Um, The only thing I usually use my kitchen scale to do is to weigh out hair dye. Don't worry, nothing ever directly touches this kitchen scale. So it's still, (laughs) it's still food safe. At least in my eyes, it's, it's, I'm the one eating it. It's fine. Um, I'm not like out here selling, you know, my pink sauce on TikTok or anything. So I'm not worried about it. Um, But yeah, I'm going to make some bread six tomorrow so i'll update you on those next week to tell you how those turned out very very excited i'll probably make some um fettuccine alfredo to go with them i actually <laughs> I, I i really love the olive garden um dressing i'm not a huge olive garden fan but i really love their dressing and you can buy it at the store now so now i don't even have to go to olive garden and so i'm probably going to make my own little olive garden tomorrow night some fettuccine some breadsticks, olive garden salad you know that's the vibe. That's the vibe. Um, what are you making this week? What are you nourishing your body with this week? How's the creepiest way I can say that? What are you nourishing your flesh vessel with this week? I think that's pretty close. It's really late here. I'm really tired. It's been a lot of, it's been a lot this month, but I'm very happy. I'm like, I'm like, do you ever get so busy, but you're so happy? I don't know. Maybe that's really unrelatable and insensitive me for me to say, because I really enjoy my job. I'm very fortunate um, in life to have a really cool job like this. I mean, the reason I'm busy is because I'm writing so many scary stories. So uh, if I could only tell 12-year-old me that, she'd be jazzed. I don't think I'd even have to. 12-year-old me was pretty sure that we'd end up in some place like this, so... Um, she'd just be like, well, yeah, actually, I'm kind of pissed because you don't live in a haunted mansion yet. So actually, you're behind the curve. And um, yeah, she'd probably make fun of my clothes or something. No, she wouldn't make fun of me. Not out loud anyway. She would silently judge me. Man, 12-year-olds. You guys got 12-year-olds? Seems like a hard age for parents. I, I know it would, was for mine. <laughs> Uh, all right, everyone. I don't have much to talk about this week. Go listen to Creepy. Go subscribe to Patreon if you're able to. If you're not, then that's cool too. No hard feelings. A uh, long time. I had a lot of years where I could not subscribe to anyone's Patreon. Seriously, no hard feelings there. Uh, I'm going to try to get out a guided nightmare at some point. But again, I've been writing on so much other stuff. It's been my, my writing time has been taken up a little bit really trying not to get burnout. I actually had one of you, um, was very kind, Indy, I will mention you by name, wrote to me and was concerned about my burnout. And that was very kind of you to say, because I have been working on a lot. But don't worry about me. I will try to take care of myself. I might take a little break in September. Um, 
maybe maybe the week of my birthday it's also stephen king's birthday so it's like a horror holiday because mr king it's also sapphire sandalo's birthday um so yeah it's a lot it's a very spooky birthday september 21st uh so maybe i'll take my the week of my birthday off or something um but i probably won't <laughs> i'm kind of a workaholic but again this is what i do for a living so how can you not be you know yep 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 um now I'm just, now I'm actually just kind of rambling. Like this is actual rambling. I'm just kind of fading off into nothing. I'm going to go, I'm going to go put my turkey chili away. It needs to be put away. And, uh, if you want my recipe, I can try to give it to you. It's, it's, uh, I've never written it down before, but I could try if you want, you know, I'm not foisting it on upon you. You don't have to take my turkey chili recipe. If you don't like turkey chili, you don't have to ask me for it. That is totally fine. But, um, yeah, anyway, all right, I'm going to go. I love you. Go listen to Historic Hangouts. Go, uh, what else? Go listen to Creepy. God, I give you guys, like, so much homework every week. It's so rude. It's so rude. Do whatever you want. Don't listen to them. Listen to them. It's your life. Live it how you want to. Too many people, there's too many rules in life anyway. Don't let some lady on a podcast tell you what to do. All right, I'm going to go. Remember, please drink your water get your electrolytes and all of my friends um in southern california uh we're gonna get some really bad weather this weekend and please stay safe my loved ones my family everyone in the imperial valley please stay safe i've heard it's gonna hit you guys real hard and it's ugh, it's breaking my heart so please stay safe get your sandbags it's a whole lot of water to hit a low desert but um yeah all right love you guys good night Go get some sleep. Sweet dreams. Murder in America is a true crime podcast that covers stories from all 50 states, including stories of mass shootings, serial killers, and lesser-known murders. Do you find yourself doing more research after listening to a true crime show? Well, Courtney and I used to do the same thing, and that's why we created Murder in America. Our podcast dives deep into each case. Our storytelling will make you feel like you're right there within the case with us, watching it all play out. And we do not shy away from the graphic details. If you're a fan of true crime, then listen to Murder in America on Spotify now. Every town has its dark history. Hometown Ghost Stories is a paranormal podcast that goes town to town all across the globe, exploring the world's most haunted places, tapping into the dusty archives and the darkest corners to bring you the most terrifying stories of real people and their harrowing experiences. Hometown Ghost Stories dives into the history of haunted locations and investigates why and how these places earned their terrifying reputation. Rob, Dave, and Jesse go live every Tuesday night after an uninterrupted documentary-style breakdown on the case, followed by an open discussion with live viewers. Subscribe today to listen to Hometown Ghost Stories on your preferred podcast platform or watch the video version on YouTube and now Spotify. Head on over to the Bloody FM Podcast Network and check out Hometown Ghost Stories, if you're brave enough. (laughs) 